I just wondered how much of how much of um, intuition uh, guides you all's work. And who else? that's what I'd like to know. I mean, I realize that that's a big part of my work, but mm -hmm. I want to know how much of that is a part of you all's work. There's some milk. Actually, I'd like to hear from all of you. Well, <laughs> David can go first. You know, um, Maestro. Okay, we'll start to the left. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I think I think a, a lot. I would say instincts. I think I think I would say that it's it's um, informed instincts. Like mm -hmm. like the more the more you experience that you have in many different genres, many different experience, life experiences, the better the music is. And so then, and you come across new music, and then you take that experience and you know you add it to what the music is trying to do you know I, it's interesting when I could, mm -hmm. um, but um, I think the harmonies I just wasn't really I just wasn't really quite into mm -hmm. that I think it's what they said about you know the first performance of um, the Rite of Spring sure it's just it, it's mm -hmm. just it too brings jarring. every mm -hmm. you don't have those little connections yep. yet to make but those connections actually form when you hear it again mm -hmm. yes, when you hear again. it again yes. so it yeah. sort of says okay mm -hmm. I think I can put my foot into it I think I can do it better than that mm -hmm. um, and that uh, and I, now I think it's a really quite quite fun <laughs> yeah. piece of the ages but yeah, quite fun. Mm -hmm. you know, so those are those are the pianista universe of African composers. I mean, Dara leads the pack. That's the truth. Now, true, he practices a lot. Then, in terms of um, the intuition, I think that one can have all the intuition in the world, but if the discipline, the base, hasn't been established, True. then, you know, I don't know what to say. That's all right. Since Thursday, I've heard him say any number of times that he feels that he's a channel. And I know that I have felt that, I know you have felt that. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, it, it is an amazing thing. And for me, it is that I feel that uh, of the channeling, mm. and I'm always like amazed when I read something or I look at something and I go, "Damn, that's good." Yeah. No, who did? I mean, you know, in a sense, yeah. from me. From in a sense of who did that? Yeah, you know, exactly. damn, that's good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes, yeah. and yet at the same time, I mean, it's a double. You don't know how you feel. It's a double consciousness. Oh, so at the same time, oh. it's like I know very well. Uh, how that was created. I know very well uh, what the process was and what the yeah, sequence and everything. So mm -hmm. I, I, I made an orange, a orange cake last day. The creativity is infused um, with mystery and it's also infused with great common sense and mm -hmm. pragmatism. So we're having someone else's baked. Thank you. Mr. Fred? Yes, ma'am. You next. Okay. The question intuition or intellect? I'm. Um, I consider myself very, very lucky, you know, um, in, in, in many different ways. Number one is that 
the amount of research I've done around Africa and the time that I did it were just fortuitous for me. The kind of research I did around Africa, mm -hmm. no, nobody can travel freely in Africa like that anymore. No. At that point in my life, I undertook this journey because I had friends around Africa. Uh, so I'm, I'm incredibly lucky in that um, I was able to undergo this journey. So the point being that I, I sit on this huge reservoir of material with which to, at any point in time, I'm presented with an, an opportunity to create, you know, any opportunity to create is an opportunity to now fall back to my reserve, my reserve, and tell a new story to the world. A new story from an African perspective, if you will, you know. Um, the other part of your question is, um, intuition is great. Um, quite a number of things I write because I have something to say. I think of an idea and I think of a way of presenting it to non-African audiences. I have something to say. So, mm -hmm. yeah, well, let's do this. Let's do it in a certain way. But when I have commissions, um, not the Caprice, but especially the Triptych, um, he told me about it probably a year and a half before I started writing. Mm -hmm. and. I just thought about it for a whole year, almost a whole year. Mm -hmm. And I I sketched different ideas. I went into <laughs> my vault, okay, okay, that could do this, that could do this, that could do this. And I had all these ideas. I had a lot of recorded what we call light motifs on my my um, uh, audio notepad. A lot of materials. But do you know? When I got to Spain, all of that material went through the window. Yeah. <laughs> mm, yeah. I could believe it. Almost all of it went. Yeah. The only thing that stayed with me in Spain was the lead tune. Hmm. Da -dee -da -dee. That, that was it. It just wouldn't leave.
So as I'm speaking with you, I can play on my phone. You hear a lot of gibberish ideas, I mean, scores of it, ideas, but none of it except that light motif. None of it made it into the yeah, book. None of it. And then I sat down in Barcelona at this composed this artist carving, and I started writing. And for six and a half days and nights, almost straight, mm -hmm. I didn't stop until the end of, of Barcelona. Most of us, these guys, we just come out of our room with big cigars. <laughs> Not me, I don't smoke. But it's, it's all these artists, painters, poets, they come out. We used to see guys come out of their room three o'clock in the morning with big cigars and just walk <laughs> by the ocean, come back, and, wow. and then we'd talk in different languages. We were Italians, they were, you know, American, they were, of course, Spanish, and, and um, we just uh, chit chat. Ooh, go by the ocean, walk, come back, and I couldn't stop uh -huh. until the last call. And I called Wendy, and she said, "What you doing? Still awake?" I said, "Well, this thing, I just finished the cage part of, part of it, and the overture, and I don't know how it started mm -hmm. and where it ended." But that's the story of how this came to be. Uh, cool. You know, talking about something. So that's when people ask me. So, you, were, they, so you feel like you might have been transient. I, I don't know what you call it, but uh -huh. you know, uh, the, it's a true story. Eventually, I'm going to sit down someday in the future, and I'm going to now sketch some more. I have sketches written, but there are a lot of sketches I didn't write. I just uh -huh. recorded. Uh -huh. They're on my phone. Never used. Yeah. But they were designed. <laughs> they were designed for this work. Yeah. You know. If if you had not had that year of preparation mm -hmm. uh, and all these things that in the end weren't used, mm -hmm. do you feel that that provided preparation for the six days and nights? Or you finally wrote, wrote it? Yeah, preparation was good. But was it enough? I don't know. I really don't know. There were... There were issues that... were troubling my mind. Things that are going on in our country right now. You know, I... As issues troubled me, particularly as an African who emigrated to this great country, thinking that I was running away from these autocratic crooks from Africa. I thought I was done with that. And then suddenly to see myself in full circle dealing with this. And then how I know, I have projects in easy 30 different African countries. I'm in contact, constant contact with uh, friends and protégés in easy 12 countries on a regular basis. So I know what this presidency does to our African countries. See, Americans, we take it for granted. We just, we, 
we see what is being done here, but we don't see the the the, the evil is doing mm -hmm. to Africa mm -hmm. and how that we're not going to Africa. America is built on a wonderful foundation. We're going to be bound. We're going to bounce out of this. But there are a lot of countries Emily. that this man has enabled, whose leadership this man has enabled that are not going to be the same for a very, very long time. So these are some of the things troubling me, uh -huh. you know. And um, was it written out for anger? No, it was not written out of anger. Was it written to give a voice to a future of a world possible? Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. Because so, you had to do it. Yeah. You had yeah, no choice. Yeah, yeah. So these are these are just uh, yes, ideas were there, sketches were there, written and audio, oral, they were there, but nothing for an artist. Nothing takes the place of. Uh, Having the privilege to be a medium from through which things just and that is when you really say, you know, I can't take credit for a year or the note, I just have to interpret what I was hearing, you know, so that they can understand. And frankly, I'm still studying part of the work, believe me. So that was part one. Um part two, why did I move into jazz? I haven't written much in jazz, to tell you the truth. I think I've only written two or three pieces, you know, like 12 songs. I have two. I haven't written too much in jazz, but I just felt, you know what? I, want to, I wanted to write something that is diverse because I feel America is diverse. So I had to even challenge myself, you know. And my goal was that every part of the work got to show diversity that is different from the previous, you know. So that's a challenge I gave to, to myself, you know. And um, uh, just really humble to hear the first rehearsal on Thursday. And you just know that the MIDI never... Mm. The media never does anything justice, not until to hear, actually hear those voices. Then I felt that, you know what, it's really hard to take credit for this. So, so that's uh, my long answer to a very, very short idea. I'm a privileged person. I really am very, very privileged. And I have so much material to do more. Um... If our orchestra halls, if our chamber music industry um, honors us with more opportunities to create, there is so much more, you know, um, that there's, I was, uh, Wendy knows that the amount of research I have, I haven't even scratched the surface. Mm -hmm. I've not even touched much, so. And I'm only 58 years old, mm. you know, so um, I'm lucky. Got mm. more ways to go and I have materials 
Has she's there ever been a I know, I know. Has there ever been a time when uh, you've completed a piece of work and uh, you and then you review it and then you say, "Oh, I didn't realize that was in there." <laughs> you know, it's a part of the finished work that you've done, and it, mm. and it's brilliant. And you went, "Oh my." Wow, how did that get there? I could have done it a different way, mm. or I could have done it, or now I would do it. No, sometimes I think sort of in the negative, oh gosh, there's really not that much there, but you know, you sort of put the time into it anyway. <laughs> uh, which, unfortunately, I, um, I, someone actually wrote a, um, a sonata for me, I will not say who, mm -hmm. um, that afterwards I thought, revisiting it, I thought, this really is not a good piece. Uh, <laughs> even another... Um, Darryl, you can always count on to be blunt. Uh, yeah. The more illustrious composer be. said, you know, yeah. Yeah. Uh, But what about, oh, wow, that's, that's hmm. amazing. Hmm. Has that ever happened? It's more, it's less I usual. Don't know. No, the, the, the amazing things show themselves. It's your turn. Oh no, I'm I'm just <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. I don't need to do a monologue, but no, no, you're, no, you're, no, it's an amazing thing. It's kinda of hard to miss it. Yeah, you're you're an academic uh I'm a pianist. Yes. So go for it. How does intuition play into your I think I think intuition um can be frightening on stage. I think you have to have a plan. And some of the most profound spontaneity I've had on stage has come from um, unceasing preparation, okay. where I have explored every single possibility. And then I'm ready on stage. And that's when inspiration can be allowable, mm -hmm. because I've prepared for any possibility. Mm -hmm. But um, if you just go for inspiration, then you might not be you might be in opposition with a composer's intention uh -huh. because as the performer we're the last and least important uh -huh. the 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 voice of the composer is what our is our responsibility mm -hmm. we have to find and understand what that intention is mm -hmm. and then the inspiration it comes when we feel we've met that understanding through study, through analysis, mm -hmm. through historical conversation, whatever it takes mm -hmm. to understand. As a performer, we have a responsibility to do research also. Uh -huh. But I would say that our inspiration might be, I might take a phrase and do something with it, and the composer might say, I never thought of it that way. Exactly. And then you can have a conversation. Mm -hmm. okay. But it's not my right as a performer, to run rampant with inspiration. It's my right, it's my responsibility, I should say, to follow what the composer's intentions are through the best study and analysis that I can offer. But then does that come from another source, is what I'm asking. Because you can't do any of that unless you, you've studied the work. I and think that anybody who stays... Who, who remains a performer has to have a basic belief that they have something to say. Mm -hmm. uh, and that 
but as the performer, you have something to add um, as a shape, as a, as a molding, perhaps, uh-huh. but not necessarily an original idea. Right. It's working with the material that we already have. Yeah. And perhaps a tendril will come like this or a tendril will come like that. But I can guarantee you that Daryl and I are never going to play any single piece the same way. No, we won't. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's inspiration, but it's also human humanity. We didn't grow up the same way. We didn't. All kinds of things go into making an artist. Uh-huh. Some of them you can study and define, and some of them you can't. Right. Yeah. And that's why it's called making music. Like making art. Yeah. yeah. Well, no, making music. <laughs> true. It is true. Fredo makes music. He creates the music. Yes. I make make music. Yes. I interpret music. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. So there is making music. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think music is an oral experience. Yeah. So if you are involved as a performer in creating sound, then you are making some kind of music. There are all kinds of studies now about urban sound and is that music, right? We're in the 21st century. What is music? What is rhythm? Where does it come from? Mm -hmm. What are our inspirations? Mm -hmm. So some come from nature and what is the the landscape of music that's not on the written page yet? Uh It's kind of fascinating. Yes, it is. Good. Do we answer your question as best as we can? I think so. I want to add one thing mm-hmm. very quickly. I think a lot of people mistake rubato for feeling, for feeling something, mm-hmm. for knowledge. Mm-hmm. And so people have stock ways of, of being expressive. Mm-hmm. And um, they become pretty tiresome to me after a mm-hmm. while. So, mm-hmm. so if somebody, you know... Um, uh, doesn't really understand the passes, they'll just push and pull the rhythm. And I think that's rampant, actually. And, and so, you know, and it happens all the time where people in performance, I'll, I'll have rehearsed something with somebody and they will be spot on. And then they'll get into the performance and they'll be all over the place. And there's no grounding of the, of the, of the musical intention. Um, and they think that's being expressive, but they don't really understand the music. So that they, so they put they put something on top of the music to make it feel like it's expressive to them somehow. So that's all I'm gonna say about that. Flutista. It's true. You have to have something to say. Yeah. That's why we are in this business, and that's not uh, something you can really teach. You you just have to come about that in your own way. You know, and the greatest artists they they find that their own natural mm-hmm. way. Um, I, I agree with what everybody has already said. Oh my goodness, there's not much to add. I can talk about the, the times that I feel I've been the most inspired as a performer were the times when I, it was almost an out of about an out of body experience where you're least you're least aware of yourself. Mm-hmm. You're entirely enveloped in the music, mm-hmm. and it is almost like a trance. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And those are the times when I felt like I was the most successful, the most mm-hmm. successful at imparting my voice to an audience. And of course, you have to do your best to study to know that you're being, 
you're not just making stuff up, but you are <laughs> actually right. expressing the composer's intentions. That's right. That's I think that the, the, even the ability to go into that trance-like state mm-hmm. presupposes profound preparation. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. if you're flubbing around going, well, is that a B or a B flat? You're, that's not, not going right. to happen. Right. I'm curious if you can ever go as a conductor because you're in charge. You can't ever go into a trance state. You can't ever be lost. Every time it's happened to me, um, <laughs> it hasn't happened very often, but when it happens to me, it's when I get lost. Yep. Mm-hmm. I, you can't. I, I you don't can't. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. And, and I'll put it in a different way. Every time I start to feel comfortable and uh-huh. I start I start letting people mm-hmm. do the thing, yeah. that's when it starts to become a problem. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know, so. mm-hmm. I just want to add one thing. I mm-hmm. remember Robert Duffy, who was a, a viol- concert violinist, mm-hmm. um, uh, was telling a story once, and he said, you know, I, he's done a lot of recording, and, and uh, he said, uh, I feel like I'm really solid in my playing. And so one day I was listening to the radio in the car and I heard a violin concerto. I said, God, that's awful. Who is that? <laughs> and it was him. <laughs> it was him. And, and it really made him, it made him actually rethink all of yes. the things that he's been doing mm-hmm. as a performer because because what he thought he was doing as a performer mm-hmm. he wasn't and that's what mm-hmm. when I was saying before about about putting in rubato and all this extra mm-hmm. kind of feeling yes. stuff mm-hmm. because you think you're, you're you're doing something special and, and <laughs> in fact it's it really doesn't it doesn't play out that way yeah. and, and often you go back and those are the performances that you would go back to and say mm-hmm. oh wow did I really do that yeah, yeah. well it's yeah. called growing up as a performer yeah, yeah. 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 You, you, and that's what's pleasurable yeah. is to play something more than once mm-hmm. yes, yes. Exactly. Because because real learning begins yeah. yes mm-hmm. being able to play yes. something Many multiple times, times. Yes. perform it multiple yes. times perform you, it. you grow yeah. in your interpretation yes. mm-hmm. it, yes. you may, it may be better or it may just be different yeah, just right. different. yeah. and that's mm-hmm. also um, yeah. a wonderful thing yeah. because you have multiple performances of all of the classical repertoire right. but to, to give it this new repertoire it's due Yes. And actually be able to grow your interpretation. That's a very wonderful, mm-hmm. yeah. special thing. That's yeah. And, and what you call profound preparation, I think, is another word for discipline. They're, they're very yeah. similar. I like yours better, actually. <laughs> <laughs> Just a fancy way to say go to the piano. <laughs> and practice, right? And practice, yeah. That profound preparation is freeing. Yes, it is. It yes. is so yes, freeing. Yes, it is. Sit down. If you put in that profound yes. preparation, then you are free to make it mm-hmm. beautiful. Yes. Yeah. 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 Have you heard this before? Yeah. Oh my God, I've heard this for my whole all life. It's usually, it can all be faster. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, 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 <laughs> that's interesting. And you turn around and say, I'm doing exactly mm-hmm. what you said, yes, too fast. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. The, 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 the danger with Adora is that, and he said it, wish we could have extra rehearsals. Oh, sure. You know, that's your, so when every component of it are not as precise, Sinking with the soul uh, of, yeah. then it can suddenly start to sound rowdy. Yes. You know. Mm-hmm. So that's why sometimes mm-hmm. we just say, okay, that could be slower so that because they're not there yet. Mm-hmm. You know, it's gonna take a few mm-hmm. more rehearsal. Sure. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. A few more rehearsal and then so nailing it. Oh yes. Oh yeah. Okay. Because 
once it's a little slower and they can feel because the pulse of the entire Adua rhythm mm -hmm. is in the piano and the counter contrabass. The bass are the Adua that's Adua, that's the that's the bass foundation. And then you have the bell part so you, these are different layers, yeah, layers. Yes, but yeah. you you but but you having musicians that you've only had two oh, rehearsals, sure. yeah. of course, and the only way they're gonna feel mm -hmm. that because it's not in their blood dual rhythm. Those are the dual soul rhythm of our mm -hmm. is the contrabass and the piano the piano bell, and the only way they're gonna be able to feel that pause is by pulling back. Maybe. Mm -hmm. Of future performances, mm -hmm. uh, because right now I'm listening to the I'm listening to the Caprice and I'm just like wow, wow, this is so great! What phenomenal wisdom to do it again, because suddenly yes, things like that seem mm -hmm. yes, you know, it's so, so um, yes, eighty-eight will come even faster when they they do one or another Adowa piece. I was a slave driver. Mm. No, I, I know. Listen, guys. I know the man is here, but I, what I'm sharing is what I'm sharing with people who have not met me. Uh, um, uh, for piano, Daryl has always been a lifesaver. For orchestra work, now I'm I'm not ashamed. People that are asking me about my orchestra work, I'm not ashamed as to tell them, call David. It's in Boston, you know, because he does the work. Then number two, he has such a great rapport with his musicians, and that always shines through this second time I've been here. So thank you. Yeah, really. So thank you. It's funny. I was talking about that to the double basses. You know, that bump it up, and how they were actually because the cellos and the basses were coming bump it up, bump bump bump, and it was coming, and it was it just wasn't. They weren't yeah. anticipating it, bump it up, ba ba. That, that That's why you had the two basses standing beside the yeah. timpani. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, yeah. I, I was, was wondering about that. But it was the cellos, was the yeah. cellos that were actually they had the line. Uh -huh. Bump it up, bump 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 it up, ba ba bump it up. In Adoa, you have the lead bell. And then you have the secondary bells. Da, 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 da. That's what you have in the viola. So you have that combination. Mm -hmm. It takes, you know. I know I was ambitious to listen, but I just had to say, this is how I wanted to go. This is how I want to go in a band. It may not be heard. Exactly like that in the first performance, but down the road, yeah. it will come. Mm -hmm. It will come. Yeah, yeah so, uh, uh, but uh, you all have started a wonderful thing here, and I'm just praying that, you know, uh, the door will keep widening and mm -hmm. we'll see where we go from here. But I think your wisdom is spot on that things get repeated because next time you are able to do this, you see how the Adora will now.
including the mm-hmm. beginning, you know. Yeah. What part certainly can be fast is uh, the Native American. <laughs> um. <laughs> 